following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Stank! Bang bang, what is up you guys? Welcome to episode 58 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrump. And this is Stank. And we bring you this podcast every Monday for free on this uh, feed that you're listening to. Follow us if you already aren't on social media. We're at PWTCast on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, this podcast is brought to you, uh, like we mentioned, for free every single week. Thanks to the wonderful sponsors of the PWTCast, the wonderful people over at M3 Toys. Uh, Use the promo code PWTCast and get 10% off any pre-orders. That's on Funko Pops, NECA figures. They just announced a line of uh, boys Funko Pops, which... I can't wait to get my hands on those. And then we've also got uh, the wonderful people over at the Cryptic Closet. Uh, David, how many times have you been walking down the mall, you know, and you see people with their normal, regular fanny packs and you just scoff and go, these people have never visited the Cryptic Closet? Yeah, every time. And then I reach in, I grab my phone, I unzip the top of Danny DeVito's head, and uh, I got all my gear right there looking fly. If you're wondering why is he reaching into Danny DeVito's head, uh, simple. That's because over at the Cryptic Closet, it's uh, it's the official home of the Fanny DeVito fanny pack, which, yes, is exactly what that sounds like. It is a fanny pack in the likeness of one uh, Danny DeVito. And if you use promo code PWTCAST, you get whole-ass 20% off anything on the site. And then last but not least, we have uh, the wonderful people over at Gorilla Publishing. Uh, head over to Gorilla Publishing Group and check out some of the wonderful comics that they've put out. Uh, Julio, wonderful person as he was, when we recently did our last giveaway, this guy gave away an issue of every single book that they've published. And <sighs> lucky winner, the person that got all those awesome comic books. So head over to GorillaPublishingGroup.com. And uh, Dave, I was actually mistaken. That that wasn't the last of the sponsors. We've got uh, the oh. the official sponsor of the PWT cast. Uh, of course, I'm talking about freelance wrestling. And speaking of freelance, every week we talk about how they sponsor us and, you know, they've done so much for us. But this week we get to brag about us sponsoring them. Oh. Uh, that's right. Uh, October 10th, 2020. Um following joe janela's spring break at the collective show uh i don't think we're in chicago anymore is uh the show that they'll be putting on in conjunction with freelance underground it'll feature such stars as kylie ray Danhausen, ethan page effie oh, i love me some effie isaiah velasquez warhorse and more and the show is sponsored by not only the cryptic closet not only m3 toys but the pwt cast themselves uh super happy that we can be helping out with them. tickets are available over at freelancewrestling.com and again that's october 10th uh 2020 obviously uh right after joey general's spring break show it's uh marion at the marion county fairground uh 7300 east troy avenue indianapolis and yeah if, if you're in the vicinity and you can make it to the show head over to freelancewrestling.com and purchase a ticket dave i'm so excited to to talk about this one specific thing because normally well back in high school it was more so an event usually the first week of school i don't want to talk about back to school i almost every time hated it because it meant no more sleeping in and like, yeah 
That's summer's over. Summer's over, and you have to go back to school, and then you can't stay up till like two, three in the morning in mine since watching like Viva La Bam and Wild Boys. Uh, but a very special person here at the PWT cast celebrated her birthday. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my best fucking friend, Vivian. Uh, Vivian, happy birthday. I love you. I already wished her a happy birthday. Uh, she famously, for my birthday, got me a giant jar of M&M's labeled Not Skittles. So I had to think long and hard of what I would get her for her birthday. And uh, I think it's pretty good what I got. I'll tell you off there what I wound up getting her, but it's Secrets. it's pretty yeah. good. So everyone go wish Vivian a happy belated birthday. It's, it's already passed happy by birthday. now. Happy uh, birthday. Vivian, we love you. But Dave, I've been watching the first three episodes of season two of The Boys. Uh, and I'm dying to watch it. Yeah, which, listen, because of that, I, I won't get into any spoilers. But yeah. I, I posted it, and I'm not the only one who posted it. Other people have posted it. But how cool is it that in episode two, Frenchie's wearing that uh, Kenny Omega shirt that you designed? Yeah. Oh, listen. There's some people that will crow their achievements. And we know we know a few of them at the shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I try not to do that, but like this one, I can't stop telling people, hey, I'm canon in the universe. I'm canon in the universe, which makes you canon in the universe. Hey, also Hot Topic Joe is canon in the universe. And Hot Topic Joe. Yeah, because yeah. the shirt that he wears in episode three is like a Hot Topic exclusive, I believe. So yep. fuck yeah, all three of us boys. Which, hey, uh, Joe is actually just over uh, Mass Republic. They have uh, their own podcast. They recently had Joe over there. And yep. Super awesome! I I love me some hot topic Joe. I I want everyone in the world to have them on his pod, on their podcast because yeah uh, he's just that wonderful. Yeah, he's a sweet boy, very sweet boy. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, listen. So far, these first three episodes have knocked it out of the park. Um, I'm really excited to see, uh, which I I also forgot because I didn't get into the boys right away. I believe I got in at like season or season like week two or three because by then there was plenty of episodes left like er, maybe yeah. all the episodes were available and they actually like drop them three at a time and me being me i binged through the first three um so not much not much season two of the boys that i can talk about here specifically because i don't want to spoil it for you or anyone else at home yeah. but the one thing i have been binging through is uh impractical jokers which oh, I, I know i like, recommend I know what everyone's thinking. They're just like, what, did you fucking just discover, like, Impractical Jokers? Uh, Not at all. Season one was on Netflix, like, a year or two ago, and I burned through that, and I loved it, specifically because on the first Jericho Cruise, uh, Sal and Q were on there, and so funny. Oh, yeah, they were hilarious, the best. And, no, I recently, courtesy to... uh, yourself i i was able to access hbo max and mm-hmm. i'm just sitting there i'm like boy there is so much to watch i don't know where to and then i see impractical jokers and i'm like ah you know what let me just watch this i'm only gonna be up i'm only gonna be up for about a half hour anyway um that led to me being up for like three hours just watching and dying like dying literally just uncontrollably just i got it was <sighs> I'm, I'm telling you what, you guys, if you if you're listening to this now and you're like, oh, that show doesn't look funny and I don't want you want to waste my time. Go Give it out, a shot. Go out of your way to watch it. it the show is it, it's so good. It's so funny. Like. It's, well, and part of the part of the funny thing is 
So I think they were normally on like True TV, which has a lot of really fake staged reality shows. Mm -hmm. And so like something like this could very easily be contrived and like they're faking these things and people are in on it. But like you can tell when they're doing some of these challenges that they don't want to do them and and that they're truly genuinely friends. And so it it really is kind of like just hanging out with your buds and daring them to do stupid shit, which, you know. If you've got friends, and I hope all of you do, like you're very familiar with that vibe, and it just stays in that zone where it's just constantly funny. So, yeah, I love Practical it, Jokers. It, it was a blast. I'm slowly but surely because I'm on season two, and there's like season, there's like eight, nine seasons, including a movie. So, I'm making my way through. Um, very quickly before we get to this week's episode, because this week's episode was boy, was it a doozy. Um, it was fun. Last week, after we finished recording, I uh, went to the movies. I was not aware that they were open, and New Mutants had come out. And you'll hear me give a little review of New Mutants in this episode, so I won't go too in depth. But like, if you get the chance, and I, I get it, not everyone. Like, listen, I went to the auditorium. There was one other person there, which was fine. It was maybe like two other people there, which was totally fine because I'm used to going to the movies when nobody's there anyway. Like that's my yeah. preferred method of watching a movie. Um, and I wore my mask the whole time because I, people are disgusting, but yeah. it was like, it wasn't bad. A lot of people were like un- say, saying, this is the worst accent movie. No, I can, you know, uh, you know, there's so many worse yeah. X-Men movies guys, than that one. You guys forgot a lot of X-Men movies there. <laughs> yeah, if you think that's the worst X-Men movie, uh, let me lend you my copy of Apocalypse. But, yeah. like, fun movie. Again, very it very much just ends on a conclusion of, like, okay, clearly this was meant to be, like, a thing. Like, they were going to keep going with it. And, again, very much does what every other X-Men movie does. Uh, mess up the continuity and the timeline <laughs> to the point where everyone's just like, I don't fucking know, man. You figure it out. You figure out when it actually happens or not. Um, but let's just go ahead and get into this week's interview, Dave. Uh, we had the pleasure of speaking to Brody King, and admittedly, like at first, you and I were just like, oh man, like. What do we talk to him about? <laughs> yeah, because like, listen, we you know we know a lot about like Brody King, like the wrestler, but yeah, it was just like, again, it's, it's weird. Every time we go into an interview with someone we haven't personally met before, because sometimes, uh, again, it's like, well, we don't want to just be every other single wrestling podcast that we can talk to you about. But with Brody, again, it was just like, he was very easy to talk to in the sense that yeah. like, all right, clearly there's a lot of like, you know, you look at the guy and you're like, all right, we can talk about this. We can talk about that. I'm not much like of a punk rock guy myself. I listen to some of it, but I can't get in depth as much as he probably could. And very, very fucking interesting, dude. Like after yeah. the po- after the podcast, and it's, again, it's a very fun episode, but after the podcast, you and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, oh man, like I think we just made a friend. Like yeah. a legit friend. And like yeah brody king is my one of my new favorite people you know it tends to be whoever matt nick says oh yeah this person's really cool you should talk to them it always works out that way it always works out you know i I, f- I fear we'll get to the point eventually where one of these people we meet or interview and we're just like oh man that was a bummer yet yeah. to, yet to happen so far but 
let's just go ahead and get into it because there's so much there's so much that we get into that i'm just excited for you guys to hear about very fun episode uh the one and only brody king david today's guest goes on the list of people that matt nix recommends as good people and whenever matt nix recommends he's right every yeah time. this person is a good person it's almost always right dan Housen, great person kylie oh Ray, god great person <laughs> oh, i shouldn't have brought up dan Housen. oh my god uh but you know effie as well yeah and uh i suppose every time this person's name comes up i specifically remember uh in new york city during wrestlemania weekend I met up with two of my buddies at uh, for the MSG show, the Ring of Honor New Japan show, and they were uh, they were pretty toasty. They were having a lot of fun during uh, at, at the at brunch. They had uh, quite a few mimosas, and they come up to me and they go, "We just met Brody King's parents." I'm like, "What do you mean?" And they were at they were at a restaurant and just waiting in line for something. They have a conversation with the people in front of them. And the people in front of them were telling my friends how they were excited to come see their son perform at Madison Square Garden. And so just any time, it's just like one of those random stories <laughs> that comes up. So anytime I, I see this person on Twitter or on Instagram, I instantly think of that like random encounter because during those wrestling weekends, that's always one of those fun things. like just in- All the weird encounters. <laughs> all the weird and random encounters. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, with us today, we have the one and only Brody King. Brody, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? pretty good i mean as good as can be right with yeah know, with the current state of affairs uh <laughs> the cur- though the one thing i me and david talked about that we needed to bring up at the front of this was how delicious all all the food that you grill looks like, yeah on twitch <laughs> <laughs> like dave and i you know dave barbecues almost every other weekend with his yeah. family and like yourself joe rogan ethan page three people that like if there's one guarantee is you guys are going to be posting up content of like something delicious that you're grilling. Uh, is cooking just like a passion of yours or something you've just picked up during quarantine? Uh, well, both kind of. So I really started diving into it in quarantine, but food has always been like a passion of mine. I think it kind of goes just with my family. Like my, uh, my dad and my mom own a, uh, like a barbecue catering business, uh, where they live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, my dad's always been trying to get me into like smoking and like, you know, wanting me to do the family business stuff. But, uh, I I don't know. I just didn't really have any interest in it until like I had time to really dive into it. Um, and like my grandfather owned a restaurant, like, you know, when my parents met each other. So it's like food has always been like a big part of our family. It's always been like, you know, at every Christmas event, my dad was the one cooking the prime rib and, and stuff like that. And he was always the one to like, uh, show off, you know, his cooking skills, I guess. And at a, at a certain point when I graduated high school, I wanted to go to culinary school and I don't know, that just didn't pan out, but yeah, I mean, I, I really dove into it in quarantine and I'm really enjoying it. So I mean, it definitely, it's one of those underappreciated skills that, people forget like i when i moved out and i had to actually like start cooking on my own it was very much one of those things where you know after the, the four or five things that you you've just by nature of like perfected you know how on how yeah. to cooking after that it's just like all right i'm tired of chicken and rice and scramble that <laughs> i gotta learn how to cook something else but 
like with parents have you said you know parents on the restaurant um was do you think had they not owned that that still would have been something that you mentioned culinary school would that still have been something you wanted to pursue or was it just mainly based on oh hey this is something they do i want to you know get into the family business as well well yeah so that was always kind of like a, a passion for my dad as well but like they've only ran the business for i think 12 years now mm-hmm. um my dad is a set lighting technician uh for movies and tv and i his dad was that before that and i became that uh i still am technically part of a union uh but, but uh so he started barbecuing and it really took off and became like like they do all the uh special events in town they do the the county fair and stuff like that so it's it's pretty cool to see like how their business has grown but uh you know, I th- I think what really drew me into like barbecuing in its like essence is just like you have to love barbecuing mm-hmm. to like to do it because it takes so much time and it takes so much like patience. It's not just, you know, grilling a hamburger or a chicken breast on on the bar- on the grill. It's like, you know, you put a brisket on at slow, four in the morning to, to yeah, to to get it ready by seven o'clock at night. And it's like you're waking up every hour to check the fire. You're, you know, spritzing the meat. And it's like, that's just, it's an art form all in itself. So I, and I also think that it's cool in the fact that like most barbecue is like four ingredients. It's like salt, pepper, maybe some garlic powder and the meat. And then it's like, you can just create these like different flavors because of fire and smoke. And like, I don't know, it's really interesting to me you mentioned working like set and lighting on movies and like it all like it all kind of instantly makes sense because a lot of like the videos and promotional stuff you put out like you can see like there was the one video you recently put out um that's kind of just like okay brody king is kind of uh taking a different step as far as the character of brody king um and like that whole video is just like really awesome because like at least myself in the common consensus with most people at the shop it's like your your gimmick you, you look different you know everything from like the mask the tattoos like it's just it's different especially with like what ring of honor has the, the wrestlers there and like putting it, it so it kind of makes sense now that you're kind of like a, a film kid um uh, yeah <laughs> right because i mean so, oh no go ahead uh, i was i was gonna say yeah i mean since i was a child obviously my dad is has been in and around uh, movies and TV. I used to go on set with him when I was a kid and stuff like that. And like, I've always been more into like, like obviously I love the the blockbuster movies and stuff like that. But I was a huge fan of like trauma movies when I was a kid, like the Toxic Avenger and you know Sergeant Kabuki Man and just like the the low lower level stuff that like makes you feel like you can also do it. And then like getting into film and TV you kind of realize like, okay, well I don't have this budget, but I think I can make this for this amount of money. And then like, now that I have, um, more freedom with, with my character and with ring of honor, I, I really like that. I can, uh, show, you know, what my vision of Brody King is. I've always, I've very much like, I've also been attracted to that approach of filmmaking. Like I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. And like specifically when I, when I was younger, like, film was it was what i was about i I wanted to go i went to film school for a bit 
and like the fact that as a kid it's kind of like oh no like it's almost one of those things where you're like the government has to let you make movies or just something where like there has to be some sanctioned <laughs> body that's like you're allowed go ahead yeah. and then when it's described to you we're like oh no like richard linklater and kevin smith and, and tarantino like they just did it and it, it's almost it's one of those things where again you just can't really grasp the concept and it's kind of the same with wrestling when when it's explained like oh no you can just go out and wrestle but like with film like that was one of the things that attracted me to kevin smith is kind of just like oh it's it's just a blue collar thing like we anyone can make a movie it just depends like how how you approach it how different it is um definitely like yeah like once you once you mentioned and especially now that you mentioned like the trauma films and everything like it all just well, well when it comes to stuff like that um like i have i have like an old friend that used to go to my church he's kind of like a local chicago celebrity uh named david the rock nelson and he makes these really they're not even really b movies they're like c movies and like he'll have like a mummy but he's covered in toilet paper and but you know as crummy as his budget was the the passion showed through, right? He's like, I don't, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of friends, but I'm just going to film these on my VHS camcorder. And then he kind of became, you know, locally legendary because of it. And it's definitely, uh, when you have restrictions, you kind of get a little more creative with that sort of stuff. So I always love that. Have you, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Have you like actually like, have you directed or what specifically with film? Cause it means you do set and lighting, but have you ever had any like one aspirations as far as like writing something or directing anything? No, I mean like as far as being a writer, I'm I can come up with ideas, but as far as like putting pen to paper, <laughs> I, I would be completely lost. Uh, my friend Colin, who's who's uh, in bands with me, he's been my best friend for a long time. He's really good with that kind of same thing. So it's like I'll send him like a you know a promo that's like, hey, this is just kind of what word vomit that came out of my head what do you think of this and then he'll kind of send me a draft back and he'll place the words around and be like what do you think of this and then it's like okay we're we're getting somewhere here so it's like i definitely take uh you know that punk rock approach like i grew up listening to punk rock and loving punk rock music and then getting into punk and hardcore bands uh that i'm still in you know now so i've been doing this for over 18 years uh and everything is just a collaborative effort. And I mean, I feel like that's when you get the best product out of things. It's it's never just one person. It's it's a collective of people that, you know, create the best things. And uh that's kind of where I'm trying to go now with with Brody King and, and with Ring of Honor and see where it comes out and see what we can do together, not just as a singular person. Because I think when people see that it's like one person working for themselves the product kind of turns out that way there. The spotlight is on one person and not, you know, the entire company as a whole. And, you know, I think we're all in this together and we all want our product to be the best. So why not work together to make it that way? That is something more refreshing to hear these days because Mm -hmm. like you read Jericho's book and he talks about how toxic of an environment it was in like WCW with everyone just Trent, the, the, the guys, yeah, everyone yeah. just politicking. The guys on top, wanting to stay on top and not wanting to, to let anyone else get up there. But I think that's what, like, hearing that, it, it's awesome. Like that's why people are more, more like supportive. At least I feel now of independent wrestling than 
they have been before because you you hear the philosophy that you know people like you have where it's like no 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 we're all in this together because at the end like at the end of the day if everyone's just looking out for themselves and it, you, like you mentioned if the spotlight is on just the one person it's going to be it's trans it's going to be transparent it's not like it's going to be some big secret that it, that's being hidden from everyone so definitely like the hey we're all in this together like the team building mentality it's it's the way to go even so like you you mentioned again like kind of just bringing it back to film like when i was very briefly in film school that was one of those things where again i assumed like oh the director is going to do everything and then you find out like no 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 there's a specific person that <laughs> yeah. just does this you're like oh yep. okay but then i do everything else and it's like no 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 like it's almost every little thing is delegated to someone and it's like very fascinating like i remember like with the sound of people i get like music i'm like oh okay well you just you know i assume you just go to this musician you say hey can we use your music and they tell you yeah but so much music is just like originally composed right and very like specific to to scenes and stuff so it again a lot of very small things that get like underappreciated and i assume the same thing backstage with like with wrestling like we know obviously who the wrestlers are but like i'm sure you can name a handful of people whether they work on like the production side or web stuff that help you guys out just as much as the actual like in-ring talent do yeah yeah and and you know kind of going back to the film stuff as well like uh a friend of mine was working for trauma for a while and i got to go to comic-con of you know for many years and became friends with lloyd kaufman who's the owner of trauma films and for many years i was i was the toxic avenger at san diego comic-con like that i dressed up at the booth and stuff like that but like so i got the i always got to pick lloyd's brain and ask him questions and stuff like that and i always the thing that i felt the most interested in was like you said you know there's really no rules like he was he was the one that came up with you know guerrilla filmmaking like if you want to do it just go do it who cares like if you don't get caught, then there's no repercussion, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but on top of that, it's like I've always liked the idea of someone being like, well, what the hell is trauma? And then it'd be like, you might not know what it is, but Quentin Tarantino knows what it is or right. James Gunn knows what it is. And like that's where all these guys started. And that's and they owe their fucking career to. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss or not. Oh, yeah. Cuss like uh, a goddamn sailor. Yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck shit. They, yeah. they owe the, they owe their careers to Lloyd Kaufman and you've never heard of him. And I don't know, maybe that's more of the, the punk rock kid in me that like, I'm not really doing this for the mainstream to know who I am, but like, I want like the diehard fans to know who I am. No, I definitely get what you mean. And like, also I had the, I had the pleasure of meeting Lloyd Kaufman once yeah. there was a, uh, I, I drove out to Indiana. Uh, yeah, it was Indiana for Kevin Smith was screening one of his movies. I forget which one it is off the top. It might've been Tusk. And, uh, he got really high and got lost on the way to like where the actual hall was. And <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman just had, he like, he literally just happened to be walking by and was just like, all right, I'll just entertain everyone then. And, and he just went on stage for like 30 minutes and just, you know, talk to everyone. Super nice guy. Super chill. And he's so good at that. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they they literally pull this man off just the street, essentially. And, he you know, he goes on stage and is just entertaining everyone. Kevin finally shows up. Like, he sticks around afterwards. I remember, like, afterwards, like, a few of us are going over there saying hello to him. Very nice. Taking pictures with everyone. Like, I remember asking him. I was like, oh, like, 
that was like a funny bit. Like, you know, how'd you guys come up with it? And just like, no, I, it was just off the top of his head and everything. And we, Dave and I, we've actually ran into him a few times, uh, C2E2 out here. Yeah. Um, so really nice person. But I, I definitely do get what you mean, though, by like these prolific filmmakers. Like they, they know who this person is. So that kind of matters because it, it's, I feel like with wrestling, it's almost like that as well, where there's like a lot of Japanese wrestlers who the mainstream won't know. But you know, yeah, the un- they're the unsung hero. Yeah, exactly. And then you you see all these like really cool moves. And yeah, the, their influence just spreads to all the other wrestlers. Yeah. you know, like one of my favorite things was uh, when Eddie Kingston got to debut on AEW like the following week. Instead of like he, you know, was like, "Oh, thank you for some of the praise." But after that, he was just like, "Hey, now that I have all your attention, check out this. Check out you know all these." Uh, all Japan wrestling matches, like they're pretty fucking cool. Check out this person, check out that person, which is like such like a selfless thing to do when all the spotlights on you and you're just like, yeah, 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 that's fine. But check out all of this cool stuff. That's influenced me. Yeah. That, I mean, Eddie's Eddie's the man and, and definitely like, that's just who he is as a person. Like he's not trying to get any, you know, praise for any of that. And like, that's, he's actually one of the guys that, I looked up to on the indies and like really, you know, latched onto and got to be under his wing doing a AAW and, uh, you know, various other things. And he taught me a lot and it was like, it was just kind of more of the same, uh, you know, philosophies on things. And I, he was one person I really gravitated towards because of that. It's, you mentioned AAW shows. That's actually where like I personally got to know you from. Cause I'd seen some of your stuff, uh, and PWG, and then like once you started, because I was still going to AW shows then. Um, they it got to the point where just work got too busy, so I would go to them infrequently. But like the ones, I believe I was at the show where you won the title from ACH. <laughs> I believe it was. Yeah, yep. yeah. I was like at that one, and it was very much one of those things where I was just like, "Yo, Nick, you know, to, to Matt Nick's, I was like, who the fuck is this Brody King?" and like we mentioned, he just because he's just friends with so many people, he'll often just be like, "Oh, it's my buddy," and then that person's just like the biggest. You know, they just become like the biggest thing, and so very much like was a fan of yours from the gecko because, like I mentioned, even the approach of like it, to, to me at least, like the simple of like I'm gonna put a ski mask on, mm-hmm. and that's just that's not something you see, and then you just like being covered in tattoos, <laughs> which. Like I see the ones like on your stomach, like oh my god, the the ones I have, not really any painful areas, kind of your generic arms and legs. I briefly had, I got one on my back. It's just like on the shoulder. It's small, and I remember getting that done, and just the worst. The worst. I have the inside of my arms, like around the elbow and everything, painless. I mean, not painless. I hurt, but just not as bad. But when I see just your whole chest, full coverage on the torso. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what and it's just my common thing because i i started getting tattooed at like 15 going on 16 and with you mentioning you were like a punk rock kid at what age do the tattoos come in because like again like with most people into like punk rock music that i know like i was just never into them i was just super into tattoos because my cousins had them and i wanted to be cool like my cousins but like at what age the tattoos start to to come in for you well I got my first tattoo at 19. So my my parents were pretty like open about everything. Like 
there almost wasn't anything that was kind of out of bounds. Like, you know, they would give me like the, you know, don't do drugs. Like if you're going to drink, drink responsibly, stuff like that. But then when I was 16, I became straight edge and I still am today. So that didn't matter. But, uh, as far as like anything else, they didn't really have any rules on anything, but my dad hated tattoos. And I, I think it's because he has one tattoo and it's like a, a little rose on his arm and it had a, ba- a banner across it with a girl's name. And, you know, whatever happened, the girl's name, now it's a rose with the banner blacked out. So it's like, I think that that was always just kind of uh, his, you know, bad taste in tattoo. Um, and then when I started getting tattoos, he was like, okay. Like, and then when he saw that there was, you know, more art behind it than just like, you know, some shitty scratches on your skin, then he was like more okay with it. And then, you know, he realized I'm going to be my own man no matter what. And I just did what I wanted. And now he doesn't care. But that was like, I kind of like held off for a while until then. But, you know, my mom would always say that I was always obsessed with tattoos. Like when I was a teenager, I would always buy the tattoo magazines. When I was a kid, I would always just like stare at people with tattoos. And it's like, I've always been very uh, artistic as a kid, just like obsessed with comic books and um, movies and toys and stuff like that. So well, sp- it's always been something very heavily ingrained in me. Well, speaking of your tattoos, so like I'm the one that designs all the micro brawlers. And uh, so like one, <laughs> one, one problem we always have is like a lot of wrestlers got a lot of tattoos, but like our manufacturer in China was like, we can't do tattoos. Right. And so uh, actually I think you got a message from someone in a micro brawler group cause he sent it to me too. And he's like, Oh, I bought these, uh, these uh, rub-on tattoos for action figures, and they had a Brody King set, and then he lovingly fashioned your tattoos onto the micro brawler. Yeah, I, he said that to me this weekend. It looked awesome. Yeah, like, it, it looked, they weren't they weren't in like the right spots, but like it made it look like I have tattoos. Yeah, it, uh, well, I, I guess they were for like a bigger action figure, I guess. And he just he was sitting there, and you know, his name's Oscar Perez, and like he had been bugging me, but he's like, Hey, how come you guys don't do tattoos? This one company does tattoos on their toys. I'm like, Oh, just leave me alone about it. But like, <laughs> I, I get it. Like we tried to do it with CM Punk and we had to put a shirt on him. Cause he's got so, he had so much coverage on him. And then like, we have to find creative ways to put like, you know, a vest or, which I think was what we did for you. But, um, yeah, I mean, people are, are gonzo over your, your micro brawler. Like they, in this one group, everyone's like, Oh, can I get a Brody King? Can I get a Brody King? So, and that is always the one thing too, where there's just like, is there a is there gonna be a version with the tattoos that comes out? And yeah. it's just like, uh, yeah, maybe, sure. Yeah. Uh, How about a version with a ski mask? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I mean, we could do a variant. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned comics, and that's the one thing that it just instantly my ears perked up. We love like, comics. Oh, comics, yeah. yeah. Like we we joked about how, uh, despite this being like the pro wrestling tease podcast uh, last summer or was earlier this year. It just became the, a Watchmen podcast because we were like watching it along, like as the show was going on and stuff. But, well, how much time do you got? Because I I oh, love that show. Oh, <laughs> listen, oh, uh, I think this is about to be a two parter. Yeah. No, they, let's let's talk the show, man. How'd you feel about the ending? Because like that that's always my first go to. Because um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Damon Lindelof, the the director, uh, but like a lot of his shows kind of end on that note where it's just like I decide don't, for yourself. Yeah, it's like I don't know how did it end. And I think it's it, it's based on he worked on Lost, and the the one thing he said was because the the show that he followed up Lost with was um, the Leftovers. Leftovers, yeah. And his whole thing was like, I'm so tired of going to co- like uh, Comic Cons, and everyone's like, 
uh, hey, so why did it end like this? And he was like, you know what? He's like, I'm gonna, I'm going to do my best to give you an ending, but also leave it ambiguous so that you can decide one. Because, like, I got to imagine every like to get tweets and like messages, or even at, at conventions, so like, hey, why did this end like this? But why? Okay, but why? Uh, <laughs> but how did you feel about the ending to Watchmen? So to. I, I love for for the record I love the ending of Lost as well I love the whole mm-hmm. season or the yeah. whole series uh, but I really love the ending to Watchmen and I I personally hope that they never make another season because it will go down as one of the greatest mm-hmm. miniseries or whatever you want to call it of all time uh, I love the fact that you know spoiler alert that they made a black woman the most powerful being mm-hmm. in the universe essentially or they leave that up to interpretation essentially yeah uh yeah and i don't know I, th- I just thought it was so beautifully done like the foot touching the water and then it's just over see i it's funny because upon second rewatch of the show like you notice more things specifically with it where they're just like a little breadcrumbs well like that. they're almost beating you over the head with like oh cal is cal is dr manhattan right and Spoiler like, alert again. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> spoilers. Like, did you hear I, very quickly with Dr. Manhattan that, uh, yes, apparently uh, John Cena had been up for the role of Dr. Manhattan? No, that's insane. Which would have been great. <laughs> Which, like, we, we discussed, even had they just had him, like, be Dr. Manhattan before he turns into Cal, it would have made sense because, one, he's already, he already got, right. he has the build. You just yeah. got to paint him blue. But also, he kind of has the robotic voice that you would imagine <laughs> Doctor Manhattan to have. Uh, but like, yeah, like upon second rewatch, it was very much like, oh, okay, yeah, he's that. And like, I remember being shook the when the episode where she just grabs the hammer and takes the the yeah. little thing out of Dude. his forehead. The That's first time hardcore. it happened, where I was just like, what? Like, what happened? And like, goddamn it, HBO are gonna make me wait for the next week. But. <laughs> No, I mean, like, I, I very much loved it. But my favorite episode, I think, to this day is um, Looking Glass, where they show mm-hmm. you his origin and just how oh, yeah. how his world just crumbles when he finds out, like, this this was all a lie. Yeah. Or, like, we, we did this to try and get some semblance of, like, world peace and how even at the end of the day, like, that final scene where he comes home and he has, like, the new alarm system or whatever that's supposed to warn him of the squids. He just grabs it and throws it. But then he goes back and gets goes it. Goes back and it's just like, yeah. oh, it's like the guy can't shake it off because at this point he's been living 30, you know, it was like 20, 30 years of his life. Like this, yeah. just scared of this giant squid. And like, I don't know. That, to me, that was like one of the like one of the more beautiful episodes because again, you see how like this man is confronted with the fa- like his ultimate fear of like, oh, no, no, it was real. But also like it was all, real, it yeah. was all just bullshit that we did. And now, like he can't tell anyone, you know. He like he has to go. As far as he knows, he can't tell anyone. He has to go to the grave, and then he has to like betray his best friend as well. Like I don't know. It was just well. I, I feel like like Brody. Like there's part of me that wants more of that universe, but like the ending is so perfect. It's it's like uh, the ending of Inception, where the top keeps spinning, and you're like, oh, did that? Did it shake? Yeah. Oh, no. mm-hmm. But you know, if you do go with a season two along the same storyline. The, the bad part about that is half the people will be happy and half the people will be like pissed. Like, oh, like if she fell through the water, the people that thought she was the new Dr. Manhattan would be mad mm-hmm. and vice versa. So, 
but I, even with that i feel like i don't know about you guys i feel like if let, let's say there i which i hope there isn't but let's say there is a season two i very much feel like the first few episodes it won't just instantly be she's just like this omnipotent being like you yeah. have you kind of have to you have it. to do like the origin story of like yeah. she's kind of learning everything like the only thing that would be interesting to me is like again if there were a season two is the government has to admit that like they lied to everyone mm-hmm. with osmandius which is why like when uh Lori like when she's like oh you're going to jail and stuff the whole time i was like there's no way like you like you can't do it yeah like maybe they can get away with it because in the eyes of the public like he's dead you know everyone's like oh yep he just mysteriously disappeared but to me, I'm like, there's, there's no way they can do it, cause then, yeah. the, like, you, you know what I mean? This is they have to admit that, like, they lied to everyone. Like, imagine we woke up tomorrow and they're just like, oh hey, uh, 9/11, we, we like we faked it, yeah. like the public outrage, and for like a 9/11 cataclysmic event like that with like the squid in New York, I don't know. I think that to me again, that would be like the one interesting storyline that I want to see yeah. where where it takes them, but. Like like both of you guys have been saying, I'm very much fine with their toe to just the water and yeah. just cut to black. There's a, there was just so many parts of the show that I that was just so pleasing to me as like as a fan because I mean I've read Watchmen, you mm-hmm. know, thirty times at this point probably, but it's just like the fact that they had all these like progressive ideas in the show that didn't feel like pandering and they weren't like forced and they were just like done in a way to make it like mind-blowing like you know the the hooded justice episode mm-hmm. i always thought hooded justice was like one of the coolest characters like uh my band god's hate has a shirt that just has hooded justice on the front um just the portrait of him and it's like then it's revealed that hooded justice is mm-hmm. a gay black man that like had to hide his identity is like that is deep that's that was my favorite episode because i felt like it was so incredibly done uh or the fact that, you know, Rorschach and his ideals, while extreme, were not, you know, racist to him. But then, like, this extremist cult took those ideas and made them into something that they're not. Well, speci- So it's like... No, go ahead. No, no, no. I was like, yeah, specifically with that, like, I remember when they showed the preview for... They showed the previews and you see everyone in the Rorschach masks... That was definitely like the vibe that I got where it was like, oh no, like the wrong people, you know, took this man's words <laughs> and yep. it kind of molded it into their own way, which is kind of like very much like what's with, happening today. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like you have a lot of a lot of people co opt stuff. Exactly, where they're just yeah. like, oh no, no, this is what these men were saying two hundred years ago. But that's not really what they and so yeah, like you mentioned, it, it was very they didn't like overtly beat you over the head with it in that episode with hooded justice like i remember watching it and just feeling like my heart breaking for the guy when he's like no look i i found this cult like they're trying to harm black people and i i forget uh what is captain metropolis uh Uh, yeah who's just like yeah 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 that's fine like come back to bed i don't really care yeah or he's like yeah hey do you want to you want to come over and he's like no like what what is wrong with you and so yeah like that episode also just very well and you you will get a bunch of like goobers going oh there's too much uh sjw stuff in here and it's like if if you can't if you can't look 
past some of that and say, is this not a compelling story? And, you know, all they yeah. see is, oh, I, I don't like seeing so many black faces. I don't like gay people. And they're shoving. It's like, clearly the show's not for you then, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the whole story is not for you. I yeah. mean, like, I love the fact that they, that they made you want to like the police chief. And then they just reveal that yeah. he's, you know, a descendant of a KKK member and like head of a fucking huge white supremacist group and, and you're like and clearly yes cherish. this is yeah. this is what i want like i want people to know that cops are bad yeah sorry if anybody doesn't think that <laughs> no, it's kind of been a running theme oh yeah i've <laughs> i have not made it uh i've made it overtly clear how how i feel about the police it's very much lines up with that but it does line up with real life it's like you know we've always been taught you know officer friendly you know that the uh you know, you, you look at them, and then when you see what it lines up with real life to people that maybe not are not in your, let's say, demographic, you know, a lot of times people turn a blind eye to what's happening to black people on the streets because they just don't see it, and they got a good outlook on policing. And then now that more people have cameras, we're starting to see the stuff that we actually saw on the show that it, that's been happening for decades. You know, well, even yep. with that, I've always gone back. Like you go back to the fir- first off, like w- you mentioned. Uh, you're like everyone is like, oh, this show's too, uh, it's too woke. It's like, did you fucking, did you read the first Watchmen? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, at what point was you at, don't like the source material? Then, yeah, it's clearly. like at what point was uh, the first Watchmen any different than this? But like, you kind of go back to the first Watchmen, and there's a, a specific scene um, where uh, Night Owl and the comedian, with like, I, I'm. Re- going back to like the movie mm. you know where they're at a comedian's funeral and he's uh night i was thinking back to like the one the one memory he remembers the most of him where there's like all those people rioting and what the, happened to the american dream yeah the comedians yeah. just like beating the shit out of these protesters while night i was trying to like be as diplomatic as can be while people are throwing mullets of cocktails at like his ship and everything and then yeah there's the whole speech where he's like what happened to the american dream he's like you're looking at it and like that always kind of like oh like i i it's a little wake up yeah it's like i i can definitely see that especially now where you see a lot of people like where it's just like oh yeah we want freedom and the ability to do everything um for those uh but just on, us. The, on the higher economic scale and yeah. the social scale and it's like yeah but for everyone it's like yeah sure everyone else on the higher economic and, and social scale um but definitely like yeah and it's crazy too for this show up to come out like right before At all this shit time. hit the fan and oh yeah yeah like it's like the what's the the name of like the park there's like the specific like trailer park that they go to where it's just like all the people that are like the richard nixon park or something like that uh, yeah yeah like even that where it's like oh they gave all the people of you know of of Oklahoma like reparations all the people that are involved in Black Wall Street and you see just how shitty everyone is and like it's resentful and they're just, they're just yeah. so shitty and like resentful about it and it's very much like yeah if that was something that we did this day in this country oh my god like it would be cities full of like people just like those residents in like that Nixonville or or whatever it was I mean they, they kind of they kind of did I mean that's what they did to the Native Americans mm-hmm. in the country like so it's like it's it's very very social commentary and like that's why i love the show so much and i feel like if you're not into you know progression and uh 
you know, that kind of thing is not, not really for you or, or it's going to go over your head and you're going to go, oh, I didn't really get it. Well, and I think that's the beauty of one comic books and music and even someone, you know, like, uh, the guy from trauma, it's like, you can use these consumer little, little bombs to send a popular message that, I mean, you know, Alan Moore did Watchmen and now the ripples of that have come over. We've got an HBO show and it's art reflecting life and vice versa. And it all came from, you know, something that people disregard as like kids stuff. Oh, that's a comic book, you know, but to the, the people that took it seriously and read it and consumed it and then lived it, you know, it became something bigger and it, it spoke to something larger than uh Well, also if you like, it gave, it gave space for like other similar shows. Like you have, mm-hmm. uh, like, have you watched the boys on, uh, an Amazon? Oh yeah. I can't wait for it. It's, what does it come out tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. As, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. recording oh. on Thursday. So by the time this, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be out. Well, David, I will probably be, you know, previewing this actual interview with our thoughts <laughs> on the boys. But like you, you watch that show and it's just like, Oh, of course. That's another version of the Watchmen. Well, like, of course, yep. if yeah. Superman were real, he would probably be like a homicidal, like, murderer. <laughs> like, to, yeah. to this day, whenever, I, whenever I'm like, oh, have you seen The Boys? And people say yes. I'm like, have you got into the airplane scene yet? Because to this day, like, I, I, you know, uh, the airplane scene, the one I'm referencing where. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, that, fly, he's flying next to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's yeah. just one of the most fun. Or when he, yeah, when he like goes inside and the people are like, save us. And he's just like, I can't save you. Like, please just save the little girl. And he's like, well, then I'll have to kill her because she's going to tell. And how he's just like threatening to like melt he's everyone. He's a psychopath. He's a psychopath. Yeah. yeah. And like that would very much happen if it were a real thing. Um, but Birdie, you mentioned comics. Uh, a are you more of a DC or Marvel guy? Like what other comics, you know, aside from Watchmen, um, are you into, or, you know, growing up just constantly rereading? So I, I was diehard Marvel and I kind of still am. Uh, I like, you know, some Batman books. Um, I really love long Halloween, which Mm -hmm. I'm hearing that the Batman might be loosely based on. Mm -hmm. And that I'm really excited about that. If that's true. Uh, but dark victory, long Halloween, hush like pretty much your your standard batman books i'm really big fan of um my favorite comic book is definitely daredevil mm-hmm. um i love kevin smith's daredevil love it that's probably one of my favorite books of all time that i reread a lot uh and then you know the bendis stuff with daredevil is incredible and uh you know the newest shirt that i put on pro wrestling tees actually if we want to do a little shameless plug mm-hmm. uh <laughs> it, it is it is a it is a uh on the outside, it is a Sin City esque ripoff yeah. or whatever. But my friend um, Chris Aylin, who is a tattoo artist, oh, designed it for me. Yeah, we've yeah. He, drew, he drew it. And, oh, you you've had him. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he's, he's the man. He's got a bit for us. Yeah. yeah, he we normally around this time he'll him, come and do tattoos. Yeah, for him us. and the rest of the guys <laughs> they come to the shop. Dave's got a tattoo of himself as a mermaid, uh, <laughs> which the boys did for us, and then yeah. I've got like a. Kind of like an old school dagger with a star with like a, a pro, pro wrestling tease running through it. So we're we're very familiar with them. Love Chris. He yeah. data. I know. It's yeah, he's he's data eighty one. Yeah, yeah he's, he is an absolutely incredible artist. Aside from tattooing as well. Uh, and I told him I was like, hey man, I want a Frank Miller like inspired 
t-shirt and he's like okay and he then he it. came up with that and i was like oh, yeah that's perfect <laughs> so you know that just goes back to my love of daredevil though and um i was going somewhere with this uh oh chris also just recently designed a shirt um for uh black charities or whatever it was the punisher holding up a cop and the cop saying, but I'm a cop. And then Frank or Frank Castle just saying, congratulations, <laughs> like about to drop him off a building. And I'm like that. I wore that to Vons the other or to yes yesterday. And the manager of Vons was like, what, what shirt is that? And I was like, Oh, it's my friend designed it. He goes, wait, your friend designed that. He's like, he, what does he do? And I was like, he's a tattoo artist. He's like, he should be a comic book artist. He's like, that's exactly who Frank Castle is. He's like Frank Castle isn't like all these other, you know, what people want him to be like a cop liker. He's like that's that's Frank Castle. I'm like, "Hey man, you're cool." Like yeah. <laughs> Well, you but know, like we were talking about like people co-opting symbols. It's weird that the police co-opt Punisher imagery. Oh, Jesus. It's so bad. It's the opposite of what a cop should yeah, be. Yeah, like whenever I see that, I'm like, "I'm sorry. Like I want to just give them be yeah. like, "Have you read Punisher?" Like read read just this one issue and I guarantee you that afterwards you're going to be like, Oh shit! We just we just silk screened all these shirts for. I should probably scrape that off my Jeep window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's almost the biggest form of irony in like modern pop culture. Yeah, but yeah, so so Dare, Daredevil is definitely you know number one for me. Uh, Captain America probably number two, and and the Punisher is probably number three. See, I was just so. I was actually just talking about the Daredevil, uh, the the Daredevil show that Marvel had uh, on Netflix. Specifically Perfect. because which is great, it's great. But I was telling, I was telling Mark at the shop, one of, one of the guys that works with us at the shop, because he'd never seen it, and he was like, "Are, are they any good?" And I was like, "Listen, They're great." I'm like, I re- I religiously love the Dare- Daredevil to the point where when season two had dropped, I was I was wor- I was still working here. I'd only been here maybe like a year, and I was working part time still at like my last job. And I just like I was it was, the, it was like one strike. I was like on my second strike, and I just no call no showed that job because I wanted to binge watch <laughs> season two. And I specifically remember like the next day going because I still technically had like my employee discount. They hadn't fired. I knew they were gonna fire me, but I still had it. So I was like going up and buying like all these like bed sheets and stuff because <laughs> I would get them really cheap. And like the manager, she was like, "Was it worth it?" I was like. What yes. was she's like? Was it worth it not coming into work and losing your job? I yeah, like, I was like, Mar- I was like, <laughs> Mary, I was like a thousand percent. I was like, I'm not even being as smart as a thousand percent. I gained so much. And she was like, and she was like, why? She's like, because you wanted to sleep in. I was like, I didn't sleep. I was up binge watching season two of The Daredevil, and she looked at me like, I, and like I swear, she looked at me like I was the biggest idiot, but. A thousand percent, like to this day, when I have like friends who've also worked there with me and they like ask me about it, I'm like, oh yeah, no. And I tell them a story and they're like, and you told Mary what? I'm like, yeah, I told her that it was fucking worth it because Daredevil season two was just like, I had to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like specifically the one, again, what I was telling Mark, I was like, there's in season one, like the long hallway fight scene. Mm-hmm. And then uh, season two, I'm like the scene where uh, Frank Castle is like in jail and they're sending the dudes to kill him. And he just goes, oh, and he's just <laughs> mowing these dudes down. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, that's why yeah. I'm like, if anything, I'm like, if you don't even want to see the show or I'm like, just watch those two scenes back to back. I'm like, and if that doesn't convince you that like this, the show is for you, I'm like, I don't know what will. But- so the, the only, the only like comment, like, I think Charlie Cox is unbelievable at Daredevil. Yeah. And, but on top of that, I think Vincent D'Onofrio really steals the show because yes. 
Kingpin is my favorite villain of all time because he is like, he is the perfect example of like a villain that you understand his motives. And like, he's, he's literally just trying to get the approval of the woman he loves. And like this girl, this woman that will never approve of him. And like, I think that that is like just something that everyone can like understand. And like, he's trying to do this for his family, but like he doesn't in his head, he's righteous, but to everyone else, he's, the biggest villain ever it's, it's, but, me, uh, it's, it's very i'm sorry it's very i was gonna say to me it's very similar with and in, in the wake of uh, the passing of chadwick boseman we were talking a lot about black panther where I'm, oh yeah where i'm killmonger like, killmonger yeah. like you yep. I, again this is my the umpteenth time rewatching it and every single time i do i'm like oh you know he's what got a point i'm like he's got a point went about it the wrong yep. way but yeah definitely got a point and, and uh i mean like those are these are the kind of like character studies I like to take um, and put into wrestling because it's like you want that heel character that everyone's like, you know, he's really kind of going about this the wrong way, but I understand what he's going for. Like uh, you want, you want to have that sympathy and that's what makes the best storylines. And like, like you said, you know, Killmonger was completely right in all of his, all the things that he said, but the way he went about changing it was you know, wrong. Right. In, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But, uh, the only thing that I can understand, uh, from what people criticize about the Punisher in those shows, like I loved Punisher one season one and two. Oh, it's great. But the, the fact that he was a little bit too emotional when like Frank Castle is kind of more reserved with his emotions. Like th- that was the only thing I can kind of understand, but to bring Frank Castle to life, I think he would be a little bit more, uh, you know, on the angry side of things. Yeah. Which to me, it makes me wonder how, how they will incorporate the character now, at least. And again, because of the Netflix deals, they can't use, I believe the Punisher is the last character they can use just because he was the last show. Like it's some weird, like, yeah. I mean, I, two, I hope John Barenthal's Punisher. Well, it was again. like something where they had to wait like two, three years. some like two, before they can actually use the character into the MCU, because I know Jessica Jones and Daredevil will be the f- first two that they can use. Um, and I, well, I heard I heard that there was a possibility of maybe a Hulu show, like a Hulu Punisher show. Really? And it I, this I don't know. I could be talking on my ass, but I know that there was like some talks of some other streaming service, and uh, it being like some type of like Punisher War Journals type mm. deal, which would make me very excited. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I can't really see like, uh, oh, now on Disney Plus, uh, the newest Avatar movie, <laughs> uh, you know, this new, the newest uh, Toy Story movie and uh, season two of The Punisher. Yeah, uh, Punisher War Journals. <laughs> exactly. Like, they need to have like Disney Plus Max. Like, <laughs> Well, they, they delayed season two because of a shooting, right? Uh, it, was spo- that- it was supposed to come out and like they were, they were just showing the trailer for it. it I think it showed Frank sniping someone from like texas all the way into mexico and then they said oh we got to delay it out of sensitivity like that's really i mean it's a great character but it's really like incendiary i guess especially now oh <laughs> well yeah, there's there's no there's no sensitivity with yeah. Frank Castle. like but that's the thing it's like how kind of just with me where i'm like all right so they have at least let's say let's say they have two years to worry about how do we bring frank castle in and with everything the way it is it doesn't seem like in in three months the, the police will go hi oh, you know what guys 
we are doing this all fucked up. Let's just reform everything. Yeah. Like it'll probably be like this for for a while. I mean, I, I think if they treat him like if I don't know if you guys read Civil War, but like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he goes up to Cap and he goes, Cap, I, I look up to you. You know, you you helped train me when I was in the military, and Captain America just punches him in the face and says, "You're a murderer," You're, <laughs> and, and and he lets him do it because he respects Cap so much. But he's you know he's like, you got a point. But yeah, Captain America just decks him right in the mouth. He goes, "You're nothing like me. You're a piece of shit, basically." But I think if if Marvel treats him like that, like clearly this guy's an outlier and he's insane um you know and some people and it's one of those things like is he a bad guy i mean w- what happened to him and his family clearly drove him to that point but um yeah, he's an he's, a, he's an anti-hero i yeah. mean he's like the the anti-hero yeah but you do uh, you do have to treat him like he's insane though he's yeah yeah supposedly there was a screen test with him and tom holland that got each of them their respective jobs because oh, really? they were like testing different people and both john barenthal and tom holland when they put them together they were like holy shit that'd be great like these guys are the people and i know there's been rumors of like spoiler alert for the handful of people that didn't watch uh spider-man 2 the the most recent one was it far away from home far from home yeah like the guy's probably gonna need a lawyer and they're like oh hey we know the member doc yeah Mm -hmm. they're like oh we know a new york lawyer who could probably help him out which again would be a fun way to, to bring him in but then people are also like, yo, they're like, what if he actually does go to jail and like they try him as an adult and you have like Punisher already in jail, which I'm like if like if you have if you're telling me Punisher's gonna be watching over a little like little Peter Parker in jail, I'm all for it. If that's like the whole <laughs> if that's the whole movie, it's just this, you know, uh him watching a, over a, bu- him. a buddy movie. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Did you did you did you ever read the sto- the Daredevil storyline where Daredevil's in mm-hmm. prison? Well, Matt Murdock's in prison with the kingpin and it's my favorite uh punisher panel ever but punisher just wants to know why matt murdoch's in prison so he goes and he kills a pimp just to go to prison like he just like sits <laughs> next to the pimp's dead body just to go to prison with matt murdoch and i'm like that is frank castle yeah. in his essence that yeah that is like the most frank castle thing yeah frank castle could do um yeah i mean it's just it's interesting to me at least right now with all like marvel now has every toy in the toy chest available to play with because like yeah. even with with the x-men where have you seen new mutants the new one that just came out no i heard it was i, I heard, heard it's the, the worst yeah. x x-men movie oh, dude, no way i so i don't know how you <laughs> felt about this last phoenix one that came out where they were just like uh, it was pretty bad where, yeah. yeah where they're like oh this movie's shit let's just let everyone say fuck uh <laughs> no, the, the New Mutants way better than than that last one. Okay, uh, like within the so, this, someone actually said uh, it was better than uh, Apocalypse. I don't know if that's true. Uh, you know what? I, there might be some merit to that. I was I was, I was not a fan of Apocalypse. Yeah, Apocalypse is. I just don't know how you, I don't know how you fucked that up. Like X Men are the easiest thing to get right, mm-hmm. and like Dare, uh, Deadpool essentially did it right. I mean, that's how I want to see Colossus. That's how I want to see Deadpool, and like. Why couldn't they do that with the X-Men? Well, there's certain things you can ground in reality. Mutants are not one of them. You know what True. I mean? You got to you got to go crazy. Well, it also stems from like the director of cuz there's like two different directors. Brett Ratner's one of them. I I don't remember the other one, but it was it was one of the two who like was a nutcase. Like there was there were stories of him. Like and a lot of these stories were you know, it was kind of like hearsay, but I know when people, more people started coming forward with it, Kevin Smith talked about it on his podcast where he was like, yeah, he's like, 
up in Montreal, I think it was in Montreal, when he would work on The Flash, there was a lot of other people who were like, yeah, we worked on those X-Men movies. And like the director would just leave. Like he was like, I think it was, he was he was like into drugs, and he'd be like, "Oh, like I, I I really miss my boyfriend. He's out in L.A. and I'm here." And then would just gotta go. He would just leave them and leave like the the AD to be like, "Here, you, you just do everything." And like again, so I feel like the ones that are bad, it tends to be it was the ones that he directed. Um, it's like you look at Logan. What are, oh my god like if you want to it's amazing i always tell you like if you want to see a 27 year old ball his eyes out uncontrollably put on logan and, <laughs> oh my god i can't do it I, I i brought my daughter with me and we were just hugging each other I was like i love you so much i i specific, <laughs> i specifically remember after seeing logan uh, i saw like at the midnight screening so ended probably like three mm-hmm. texting my dad like you know, dad, like, I really love you. Like, I appreciate all this stuff. And then like, the next, and, the, and the next morning, my mom calling me, she's like, Hey, like, is everything okay? I'm like, I was like, yeah, why? She's like, so are you going to kill yourself? Well, yeah. she, was, she was like, she was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, why? Everything's good. She goes, your dad said you were texting him at three in the morning that, like that Wolverine's yeah. dad died and you were really sad about it. I was like, Oh yeah. I just saw Logan. Like, it's so fucked up. Like you guys got to watch it. Um, but like with all with all the X Men and stuff, like yeah, very much like Deadpool did it right, especially with the later ones. Yeah, but New Mutants, it, it it's not, it's just average. It's just it's generic. It's not unwatchable. Definitely not. Like I I sat there watching it, uh, in an empty auditorium. By the way, it was, it was the <laughs> best. I'm like, oh, this is how I love watching movies anyway. And I don't think anyone I didn't I had no idea movies were open for like a few days or something out here. So I just went to see it. The only one in the auditorium, and again fine like i kept waiting till i was like all right at what point does it get like terrible where everyone's just slamming it online and again fine it didn't get to that like, point generic i'm not too familiar with the with like the source material so maybe that maybe that's why it didn't affect me as much but again like if if you guys if, if you guys get the chance and i mean you guys are i'm probably not like, gonna watch <laughs> did you guys ever see so you said you're 27 yeah i'm 27 David okay, so I'm I'm, thir- I'm I'm 39. Okay, so I'm 33. Maybe Dave, maybe you might remember this. Do you guys remember the made-for-TV movie Generation X? I think it came out uh, oof, like 90, 97, maybe. I have I seen clips of it. I've seen clips of it online. I've never, I've like, I've never sat down to watch the whole thing, but I've definitely seen like at least like clips it like, sounds like a 90s show <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I need I, I need to i need to like scour youtube and see if i can find like the full thing because like i have such vivid memories of this movie and i have no idea if it's good or not but i remember loving some of the characters because i was super deep into like the weirder characters like skin and like uh what's the one that like turns into, like a giant like beast werewolf i don't know uh, but like <laughs> wolfsbane yeah wolfsbane mm-hmm. uh he's in it and it's like all these like really offshoot and that's kind of how i felt new mutants would go because they had like magic and stuff like that but i don't know i also heard that they were supposed to make it a horror movie and that never happened so you you can definitely see what where they tried to make uh the movie like a, a horror movie like there's parts where you, um, it's like oh it kind of shoehorned in yeah it kind of felt shoehorned in like so the premise of it, it I mean, I, I won't get too spoilery, but it definitely it, it's it, within the X Men universe. Uh, 
takes place after Logan. That, that's as far as I'm going to say. Mr. Sinister. John Hamm was supposed to be Mr. Sinister in it. But Ooh, that would be great. Yeah, but he got cut out because it's like Fox. Mm. Apparently, Fox and Josh Boone just kept butting heads to the point where they're like, "All right, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you, you don't, don't get, get you don't get John Hamm anymore." <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing was delayed forever, and I it mean, shows. whatever, whatever the case <laughs> may be. But you can definitely see like where they tried to incorporate like horror elements, and the like the very few horror elements they did try to incorporate, I felt at least worked fine. Like it definitely wasn't like I walked away from going like, oh. That worked really well. It was just fine, but like magic, she was really awesome. Like she's the one that sticks out the most from from everything that happened. And like, there's they did a one issue of what's what was called like Strange Academy, which was basically Doctor Strange opening up his own school for like all the the spooky and weirdo kids. And in my mind, I was like, okay, if this movie does, if this movie is like successful in any type, any way, shape, or form. This you next, see it well, into like that. this next Doctor Strange movie is all about the multiverse, mm-hmm. and like there's, it you know, like they leave it open so they, you know, let's say this movie, it's like oh everyone loves it, like at the end of Doctor Strange, just have him show up and take these little spooky kids, and yeah, you know, it'd be his own thing. But I definitely don't think, uh, if anything, they might sa- salvage the girl who played Magic, because uh, she played it pretty convincingly. But I, I don't, I don't think those kids are going into into the MCU anytime <laughs> soon. Hey, um, I, I think I think that would be a good thing because they've uh, they've done really well with taking the offshoot comics and making it like the star. Uh, do you guys do you guys watch Doom Patrol at all? Oh, oh. love Doom Patrol. I okay. lo- I love Brendan Fraser to the to the point where I've made it. Like when it, when we first started this, I was like, I want to get Kevin Smith on here. Was able to get him, and I'm now like, I need to get Brendan Fraser on here. And like I I know I have a friend of a friend who's like shoot best like best friends with brendan fraser like, like there, there's a way oh yeah he, him tom his name is matt ross he told me this was we were up in you know what i actually ran into so uh funny if i think i ran into you that day uh caitlin um oh god what's your last name caitlin, well, I know not caitlin. With, yeah caitlin, she, works, she works at ring of honor yeah yeah uh she it was at uh sneaky d's it was like you her eddie and uh rosemary Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was that that same day. Um, we were with said friend, and he was like telling me, he's like, "Yeah, I'm friends with like Brendan Fraser," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, sure yeah, you are." Right. And he's like, "No, no, no." He's like, <laughs> "He's like, I was at this bar once, and the bar the bartender she was like, oh, she's like, I'm surprised you haven't gone up to bother him." He's like, "Who?" She's like, "You know, fucking Brendan Fraser over there," and he's like, "Oh no, I don't. I really want to bother him," and like. At some point, I think Brendan Fraser comes up to him and he's like, "Why aren't you bothering me?" Well, no, they, <laughs> he just starts talking to him. They just start conversating, yeah. and then later on, you know, they're like, "Oh man," he's like, "I really appreciate like you not, you know, like fangirling on me." Basically, they become friends from that point, and I think the way the story ended was they both got really drunk, and Brendan Fraser went back to his house and was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna cut my hair in your bathroom if that's fine." And Matt, of course, was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." So I, I. I we got keep, an in. I keep throwing out. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just, I'm not that close of friends with Matt Ross, but I'm, I'm gonna make it a mission of mine to get Brendan Fraser on here, even if it's for like five minutes. I also for my birth, oh. for my birthday, bought an autographed mummy play set because <laughs> why not? Why not? You know, why yeah. not buy that for your? I'm sorry, but well, Doom Patrol. We don't have to deep dive in in Doom Patrol, but that show is unbelievable, and it also hits on all the like 
you know, quote unquote wokeness that like Watchmen mm-hmm. does as well, but in a very tasteful way. Well, I, I got to say, like the the one thing that I, that turned me off from the promos was was robot. it was the, the it was so horrible the the it promotional it was so bad yeah but it makes so much sense when you watch it yeah well like I saw Robot Man and then like I think I saw a clip of him going saying like fuck shit fuck 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 I'm like this is like DC had like a habit of saying hey we're mature so now we can say fucking shit all the time and it was just it was kind of corny but like and then like I saw Brendan Fraser and he kind of looked like Brendan Fraser had been missing at sea for two weeks and he washed up on shore. He's like real bloated and <laughs> bloated, like bleary. Yeah. And so th- those were specifically like, I don't want to watch this. This looks so corny. And then, you know, Birdo said, oh, you got to watch it. And then my, my little brother was like, oh, you got to watch it. It's so good. And I was like, all right, those are two recommendations I take highly. And, and actually, though, Brendan Fraser's character is one of the, the best parts of the show. So I, like I completely misjudged the book by its cover. But yeah, so I, I did the same, and then I binge watched both seasons. Is it two seasons or three seasons? Two, two, yeah, two seasons, yeah. And Timothy it Dalton, was amazing. Wow, that guy's great. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah, well, it very much plays on like you mentioned. You take these like side characters that people don't really know who they are, and you do something like James Gunn found massive success with. Uh, guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. and like i can't wait to see the new suicide squad. Oh, right like so again with suicide squad it's just it looks so good and i was i was one of those people that was super hyped for the first one i uh, to this day i'm like the, there's this, this second trailer they put out with ballroom blitz where this movie looks like it's going to be a blast and then just like fast forward i, ne- to, I never watched it because i just couldn't i couldn't get myself to do it it's not like it's very convoluted it's and, very missable so don't worry about it yeah it's very convoluted but birds of prey i really enjoyed birds of prey i haven't gotten the chance to watched. watch it yet i know i, I haven't watched it because really of suicide squad really yeah. yeah i mean to me it's just that i there's like a list of movies where and it's kind of been like the common theme the last few weeks of the podcast where I'm like, oh hey, I finally watched uh, There Will Be Blood. Or I finally watched Drive, <laughs> and it's just so many movies. But what? Then- okay, watch Birds of Prey and then message me your thoughts because okay. I thought it was amazing. I'll give it a shot. I have my friend Kelsey who she listens to this every week. I know she's going to be like, I've told you for a month to watch <laughs> Birds of Prey. Brody King tells you once. I'm be like, yeah, of course, <laughs> like, of course. Who's going to say no to Brody King? Exactly. Um, Brody, well, I think we're going to have to make this, uh, we're going to have to bring you on a second time. And again, this happens with most people that Matt makes. It's either Matt makes or Sarah Shockey are like, hey, yeah. you should talk to this person. And they always turn out great. They always turn out great. Well, I was one that having so much conversation. Like, I can't, I can't imagine us not being able to go for like another hour just talking yeah. comic book stuff. Because like even I saw... Um, on your Twitter, like a while back, you had posted uh, like your top four movies that you can rewatch whenever. And Kill Bill and Forgetting Sarah Marshall were on there, and mm-hmm. yep. those are also two movies that I could talk at lengths about. But was Pootie Tang on that list? Was- <laughs> no, but I, I do love Pootie. I Tang. love Pootie Tang. <laughs> oh god! Well, there you guys have it. That's that's the cliffhanger for for what we do in episode two. We're going to talk some Kill Bill, Pootie Tang, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, but Brody, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Brody X King, and uh, you can find my pro wrestling tea store. That's where most of my merch goes. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all my socials. Or you can find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Brody X King. Uh, I have Brody Alla King every Sunday where I cook something 
either that I love or something new that I've never tried and it's kind of weird and it can be fucked up. Um, <laughs> or, or I just watch uh, Japanese wrestling and on Wednesdays I talk to my friend Alistair Black. We have King and Black dwell on things. So yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. Right now I'm, I'm busy because I have a five-day-old daughter and a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old son. So well, congratulations. Uh, Congrats on your daughter. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we look forward to bringing you back on again because, uh, like we mentioned, it's it it's very fun. easy with Dave and I to just get lost in talking about comic books, which is why, again, this summer we almost forgot we had a wrestling podcast and just <laughs> – Wind up, talking, wind up talking Watchmen like to the point where like we have random listeners who would just come up to us and they're like, oh, we finally fucking saw that. You know, we saw yeah. this episode. That's so crazy. What do you think is going to happen? And like, again, with it, you would think like, oh, they have a spe- very specific uh, Watchmen podcast. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Uh, but Brody thinks I again. mean, like every, everything in me is rooted in comic books. I mean, the way that I I look is because of comic books. Like I always thought like you know, like you said, just put a ski mask on. Like, I feel like that's what the Punisher would do. And like, yeah, everything I do is because of comic books or movies or punk rock music. So I just like bringing that into wrestling. Yeah. I mean, like I can tell you it very much comes across because like, just again, your look is so much different than anyone's and different in a good way that I can't imagine. I can't imagine anyone looking at you and going, Oh man, that guy really loves Latin contemporary music for (laughs) sure. Based on his look, that guy, that guy loves him some Ricky Martin. Uh, but thanks again, Brody. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you again to the wonderful Brody King. I'm telling you, dude, you can, like, I wish there was video on us the minute that he's just like, oh, Watchmen, how much time do you have to talk? We both looked at, like, our auras expected. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Like, we had... We had the same look on our faces that, like, someone did. If you told them, like, "Oh shit, you just won a hundred bucks on a scratch off," you know, yeah. we're like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, super happy." Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, definitely, we're we're gonna bring Brody back on because there's there's so much that we still can talk about. And I'm very excited. Like, I I mention it all the time. One of the one of the better parts about having done this podcast and doing this podcast just in general are like the friendships that we make as corny as that sounds the friendships that we make, but like, no, very much. It's that, you know, Brody King, someone. Well, who, also, yeah. Finding out how cool some of these, like clearly they're cool. Cause they're on TV. Sure. But like finding out how cool all these people are as, as people is like the, it, it, and especially with wrestling, when you meet some of the older wrestlers, you can be like, oh, man, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. You know, sometimes because they, a lot of them were real carnies and had bad habits. But, like, a lot of these newer wrestlers and, like, people that are in the on TV now, they're, they're doing so much more fulfilling life things. And uh, it's really cool to get a peek behind the scenes, you know. Exactly. It's just that. And, man – it's happened with like the last few episodes as far as like we had our buddy Juan on uh, from over at Sci-Fi Wire and like Brody where we have to wrap up our conversations and it's just like, ah, like I wish we could go, we keep on going for longer, but don't yeah. worry. Brody King is definitely someone that we're going to have back on 
in the midst of talking with him, all I could think of was like, because there will be like a lot, there will be like movie and comic book stuff on the Patreon once we get it up and running. And in the back of my head, I was just like, oh, hell yeah. Like I hear someone that I, you know, that we can bring on. will probably have as extensive knowledge of this yep. material that we will. So very happy, very excited about that. Um, go buy one of his t-shirts. I'm going to go buy that. Uh, I'm going to go buy some of his, the shirt he was talking about the, um, what's his name from the Watchmen hooded justice. I'm going to go buy me that hooded yeah. justice shirt because since he, since he talked about it, I was just like, Oh hell yeah. Like de- yeah. definitely get my hands on one of these. Um, Dave, you were telling me about uh, another show that you've just started watching. Yeah. So listen, HBO max has been like the gift that keeps on giving, I think for both you and I, and uh, I was watch. I was going through the trailers and like love Lovecraft Country, a show I want to watch, but like you can you can only watch so many shows. Um, but the one show I did start watching, and they dropped three episodes, and then I guess every Thursday they'll drop a new one, which I think is a great way to kind of balance uh, whether you binge the whole season or not. Um, but it's this show called Raised by Wolves, and I won't spoil too much of it for you, but it's kind of, it's kind of mirror mirroring like how our world would be maybe in 200 years if it just keeps on going the way it is where um there's a faction of atheists and a faction of they kind of look like knights templar they they worship uh Saul or the sun and there was like a gigantic war and um there's androids involved i don't want to get too spoilery because you should really just unpack this yourself but it's a ridley scott uh production and it's creepy and it's sci-fi but it's also um kind of in the same way that star wars is you know you have laser swords and droids but then you also have people living in desert huts Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um very much that there's uh there's a, a through line of atheism versus theism um, and all the wacky stuff that like Ridley Scott's into. And uh, it's, it's unsettling, but in like the best way. So I highly recommend it. Um, I'll, I don't spoil too much though. I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably let a, cause you mentioned Lovecraft country and it's the same thing with that, where I want to let a few episodes go. Like I know I'm going to start watch. I've heard a lot of people talk about episode one. Yeah, and I'm in. I I am boy, yeah. am I all in? It's on that. bonkers. Exactly, just yeah. hearing them talk about that. But with that same sentiment, I also just I I want to let a few episodes go by before I just dive dive headfirst into it because I know my TV watching habits, and I won't just watch one episode and go, ah, I am satisfied with that. I'll watch another one. I want right. to watch more. So with you know with lovecraft country i am i am waiting a little bit and i'm probably gonna do the same thing with this one now because it sounds interesting but so you mentioned star wars i gotta bring this up fucking john boyega man do i love this guy john boyega for those of you unaware he played finn in star wars and boy has he been vocal about like zero fucks giving zero fucks admit with like rightfully so um he's been calling out disney on all their shit he's been calling out like these weirdo psycho fans on all their shit um he played finn in star wars and like rightfully so was pissed off that they 
you know, they kept marketing it as like they kept marketing him specifically as, you know, oh, here, here's this new, cool, diverse character and then just push them off to the wayside for yeah. other characters, other storylines. Literally, the, the whole second movie, him and uh, Rose, the, the the Asian character that people were also upset about because they're like, here's a person, here's someone who looks different than every other character in this right. universe. They sent them on some bullshit mission to just keep them busy because they didn't they didn't care about these characters. And that's what it right. is. At the end of the day, they didn't care about these characters enough to actually do something with them. So this guy has just been shooting at the hip, calling them out on their shit. And, like, rightfully so. Like, don't just... You know, like, imagine you get to be part of this new Star Wars franchise. And... Mm-hmm. They're telling you, you know, they're going to give you the world. They're going to make you this big character and do this and that. They're marketing you so heavily. And then they just push you off to the side because, you know, they, well, and they here's got the thing bored. Too, we, we need more of that. Like, and we've seen how effective, you know, a voice like that can be with like the Me Too movement. I mean, how long did that good old boy, the Hollywood, you know, backlot, you know, we're, we can't say anything because we're afraid to get blacklisted. <clears throat> and we're, it took like one person to speak out and then another person and another person. And then you find out like people that you've seen on the screen that you've loved and respected are also saying, yeah, I went through this too. But they were too scared to say something because someone wasn't brave enough. And you, you look at someone like John Boyega who could have said, well, you know, I made a lot of money, clearly, right? And he's he could be safe and he can kind of parlay his safeness into something on Disney Plus, maybe, or a future movie. And he's like, you know what? Fuck that. This is not right. And I'm big enough and I'm prominent enough in the series to say something and people are going to listen. And I guarantee you, when he said that, people in Disney were probably not happy, but they were talking about it, right? It's the same thing with someone like Colin Kaepernick. A lot of people were unhappy and here we are. We got full blown movements because someone was brave enough to say, I'll put my livelihood on the line. Fuck it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just seeing like, just seeing him at rallies, you know, raising his fist and saying, he said, I may not get another job in Hollywood again, but fuck it. I'm going to say what I, I'm going to speak my mind. Um, you know, you hear the term, you know, truth to power thrown around a lot, but like he went out there and put his ass on the line and said, yeah, I'll do that. And that's what makes him so cool. And that that's what makes it like anytime I see anything with John Boyega in it, I'll watch. I'll support it. Listen, I love I always try to put people on to attack the block. It was one yeah. of uh, it was one of his first movies. So fucking good. It's like him and a bunch of other like little British kids in like the British ghetto just fighting aliens. Yeah. And like it's it's hard for me to talk about without just getting into spoilers. It's really good. Check it out if if you haven't already seen it. But yeah, good for him. Like some listen, yeah. some people are in positions where they're not going to speak up. They make too much money, and it just to them it's not worth There's too it. much on the line. Exactly. Yeah. You look at everything going on with WWE right now, where they're trying to they're coming down with an iron fist and trying to control everyone because they quote unquote own them. Some people yeah. are going to speak up. Some people are going to push back. Others are just you know. Like, I mean, someone like Paige. Paige was like, "No, nah, I'm keeping my channel. I'll change my name, mm-hmm. but you're not taking my channel." And exactly. so, 
and very much said something exactly very much in the same vein of hollywood like he's someone who's just like i don't care do whatever you want i'm gonna fucking speak up i'm gonna say my mind and honestly i i don't think like i don't think anything but like good will come of this because there needs to be more of that there needs you need to call hollywood out on their bullshit you can't you can't market something with like, Hey, it's different. We're being inclusive. And then be like, Oh, I'm just not really though. Yeah, you can't weaponize inclusiveness yeah. for, for, for profit. And like, also it takes someone that's made a decent amount of money like him to do this. Like if you take someone that's only, you know, done commercial spots and they're in, you know, they're in SAG and they have no name value. Someone's going to say that. And they're just gonna say that's sour grapes. You just, you know, you're just mad because you haven't made it. But, like, John Boyega made it. Like, you can't make it much more than being on a Star Wars poster. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for him to say, yeah, I made it, and it's not worth it unless you do right by by all of us. And so, yeah, good good on him. Good looking out. Yeah, very happy for him for, you know, be very happy for him to be sticking up for himself because we need more of that in Hollywood. We need more of that yeah. in general. Uh, but Dave, unfortunately, I feel like it's that time of the week now where I have run out of things to say. This has been a long episode. Yeah, me too. I mean, the only thing I have left to say is the only person that could make me watch Birds of Prey is Brody King. Exactly. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna shut up. Go watch that and email him. Let him know what I think. But uh, yeah, I, I've run out of things to say too. Listen, I'm uh, I'm going to try and go watch Tenet after we're done. Well, I'm not gonna try. I already purchased my ticket. I'm going to go watch yeah. Tenet uh, yeah, after this. But then when I get home, I'm going to watch Birds of Prey because – and I get mentioned in the interview. One of my close friends, Kelsey, she's been trying to get me to watch Birds of Prey for a while. I know Matt Nix has suggested it to me. Yeah. And I've just been like, I don't know. But for Brody Bro- King tells you to. Brody King tells me to watch Birds it. of Prey. I'm going to watch Birds of Prey. And so yeah. next week you can look forward to a Birds of Prey review <laughs> featuring Stank and myself. Uh, yeah. But until next week, you guys, I've been Scrump. This is Stank. And this is from the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here, friend of the show. We've run out of things to say here at the PWT cast. And so, I must bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bang, bang. <laughs>